Good evening. First, I must tell you this is such an honor because meeting the people here and knowing Dr. Solomon and just have heard so many people, there, there are so many equipped people around you who can stand here tonight. And it's a privilege, a privilege and I'm humbled to be here and to, to have the honor to talk to you. And it's not because I know more than you do. And I plan to give a what I'm going to say is very much interwoven with my life, so you will see that um, I don't deserve to be here. But uh, coming from South Africa, in 1983 my husband was already saved, but I got saved. I grew up in a Christian home, blissfully thinking that I'm going to heaven because I belong to a church, and no one would have asked me. Um, are you saved? Because my life was okay. But God, in his mercy, found me. And I was saved in the church of a, um, an American missionary. He was from the Wesleyan church. He was sent to minister to a black tribe in Africa. And he ended up with an Afrikaans white congregation. And from that moment, we fell in love with America. Um, the Americans, their lifestyle, the people, and my husband, I'm so sorry he's not here tonight, but he doesn't feel well, but we are just so honored, and we are so thankful to be here at last. When we landed at Atlanta, he said, can you believe it? We are here, and it was just so wonderful, but what I want to say to you is what you see on the news about what South Africans say about America and some of our leaders, to my shame, have said about America, that is not the people of South Africa saying that. The people pray for you, they honor you, they, they thank you for who you are and what you've poured into Africa, not only into South Africa, but the life that was poured into South Africa from America. And I've said it to many people, today I see America as a modern Israel. God is blessing this nation and you are blessing others through the blessing that God has given you. And through history, if we look at history, the Americans have never taken someone else's land and go and take and enrich themselves from and all the other countries did. The Americans go and they send missionaries and I want to honor you for that. And as I said last Sunday, I ask forgiveness for those that take from you and then bite the hand that is feeding them. And just know that it is not everyone. It is the leaders talking their political nonsense. But the people love you and honor you and we look up to you as a nation. Although we know that God is also dealing with nations and that he, in this crisis you are in now, that God is in control and everything works for the best for those that love him and are caught. By him. So my life is very much interwoven with Grace Fellowship. And as you must have heard by now that um, it's Christ-centered, the counseling is Christ-centered. And our pastor usually say to people when he introduces newcomers, we call it pillars. We've got a counseling pillar and a worship pillar. And so when he introduces the counseling pillar, he says, if you've got problems, go to Nielsi and she'll kill you. 
<laughs> because of taking people to the cross. And there they die and become new creations. And um, so we, we know that that is the way we do. We tr help them to find who they are not, how they've uh, rec in, um, got a, a false identity, and bring that false identity to the cross, and then bring them into a new identity. And that was what I've learned from my spiritual father. And it's such a blessing for me. To, it was a dream to be with Dr. Solomon. And I'm here to be with him and, and his dear wife. So with my life, God did it the other way around. He first taught me who I am. And then he showed me who I am not. So he, he did it a little back to front. Because when, soon after we were saved, <clears throat> one night, my husband and I had a fight. We, we do fight. And um, I was so angry with him, and he just went off to sleep. And I was sitting there on the chair. I wasn't going to sleep. I was sitting there, but I was too cross to, to watch him. I didn't want to look at him. I was too angry. But the moon was shining on his face. And I was thinking, you know, Lord, he is so hard, and he can just go to sleep while we had a fight. And I was just thinking, I wish there was someone I could go to and just tell that person how bad my husband is. But I wouldn't because I love him too much. And then the Lord was there. And he held me on his lap and he said, I'm here. And I just told him everything. I cried and I told, told him everything. And the Lord listened and he said, I know. I was there. And then I felt good. And then he said, but don't you think that some of those instances you were responsible also? And I just, you know, when the Lord put his finger on something, you know. <laughs> that is true. And I said, yes, Lord. And he said to me, look at him. And I looked at my husband sleeping and the Lord said to me, do you know that I love him very much? And I was so glad to hear that because unfortunately my husband is not here but he knows that this is part of my testimony that he grew up in an extremely broken home he, he didn't really know what love was and when I told him the next morning that God said he loved him he just tears in his eyes and he said really did God say that but when God said that to me he said you know what and I want to heal him through you are you willing and I knew that God wouldn't ask me something like that if it wasn't going to cost a price. And I said, yes, Lord. But of course, being in the flesh, I thought that God meant I must heal him. And so then I started my plan of praying for my husband and telling God, God, do this and do that and don't do this. And I just blissfully kept on praying for my husband because God wanted to heal through me and I just took that I jumped to that place to because I'm a performer my old nature is to perform to get value for myself so it fitted me like a, a, a glove to be in that place of trying to change my husband but then we um, that's also a long story but we gave up our jobs and we went to the mission field only to find out that God was going to work in us not us working for him and I remember the day I sat there and I thought, well, 
I've given up my job. My husband knows that he's doing the mission work here, but what am I doing? And I said, Lord, what is a helper? Because if my husband needs someone to wash his clothes and cook the food and clean the house, he can pay someone to do that. That is not a helper. A helper is someone special because I'm a help meet, someone specifically made for Hendrik. But what is that? And I couldn't find a book to tell me what it was. And I wanted to know because I discovered this. I am Hendrik's wife. What does it mean? My whole identity, which was in my profession to be a, a lecturer at um, in a psychology department was gone. I had no identity whatsoever and I was desperately looking. Who am I? And the Lord said to me, I will teach you through the Bible, through the women in the Bible. And that was when the first time the Lord lifted a little thing that, oh my goodness. Because without knowing it was there, the Lord said to me, um, I said to the Lord, Lord, you are going to teach me through the women in the Bible, and yet you never spoke to women. And I thought, I didn't even realize that was my thinking, that God never spoke to women. And I looked and I saw, yeah, he didn't. An angel spoke to to Mary, and an uh, angel came and gave a message through Abraham to Sarah. But there's no account that God spoke to women. And I thought, I wonder why I have this in my heart. And when I looked there, I saw that I see women as second-class citizens and that God didn't really care about them. So that was the first thing that God dealt with me. And he showed me through the Bible how he honors women and that he calls the, the church the bride of Christ, that Israel he talks of as a woman. And in the Psalms where David says, my soul is like a child with his mother. And I thought, yeah, that's true. And how many times the Lord just took me through the Bible and showed me how he sees a woman and that she isn't second class to him. And I said, yeah, Lord, but you still didn't talk to them. And then the Lord took me to Miriam. Now, that was a dangerous place to take me because I didn't like the story of Aaron and Moses and Miriam at all. Because what I read in the Bible is that Aaron and Miriam rebelled against Moses, but she was punished and he not. And the sermons I heard, I'm sorry, Pastor, but the sermons... (laughs) But the sermons I've heard about that was that she instigated it. And I went and I looked through the Bible, but I couldn't find it there that that she instigated this. And I said, Lord, you have shown me that you love women and that they are not second-hand citizens. Why was Miriam only punished? And the Lord said, I will teach you. And it took me to creation. And he said, God created man out of the dust, as we all know, he created Adam. And he said, and I took Eve out of Adam. So if Adam was created in my image, I took something of myself out of Adam. So it was something which he did not have anymore. It was something, it was now out of him. And 
it's so difficult to put that in human words, but what God said was it, it's his heartbeat, which he, because it comes out of the side, it's his heartbeat. And he said, you know, as a woman, you know that you needn't have to hear me. You hear me deep inside. And I said, yeah, no, that's true. And I know working with women, that is true with women. They hear in their hearts. They, they hear God. And he said, you know, my treatment of Miriam was like a dad disciplining his daughter and trying to get her from a road that is going to kill her. Because the words that Miriam and Aaron used was, why doesn't God talk to us also? And I said, yeah, Lord, I agree. Why not? And, you know, that was in my heart. And the Lord said, you know, he gave, he uh, caused her to get leprosy. Now we know in the Old Testament that these illnesses were significant. They had a meaning. And if you look at leprosy, I think especially Dr. Paul Brunt writes about that, that the leprosy is an illness where the messages from the extremities do not reach the brain. So that when a person touches something hot, the message doesn't go to the brain, that it's hurting and they must pull their hand back. And that's why they burn their fingers. And they will take a lock and open it with their fingers and cut their fingers off and not feeling it. So there, there is no communication between the extremity and the head. And God said that illness which I put on, on her was, on the one hand, it's um, uncleanness, which means not fruitful, but it also means that, that she didn't hear God. She couldn't hear him. He was talking to her like he talks to women, but she wasn't hearing him because she was expecting him to talk like he speaks to men. And so what God did for her, not to her, was such an act of mercy to that daughter of his that the Bible says they, they wait, she was ill for a week and the whole camp came to a standstill to wait for her to be healed. But it wasn't only a week because if you read in, in the Old Testament the healing of a leper, the, the ritual of cleansing them is about two weeks. So they must have waited about three weeks, three weeks for Miriam to be healed. So what happens they are sent outside of the camp. And who was outside of the camp? The lepers, the cursed ones, the criminals, and Jesus Christ. We read in Hebrews, he was crucified outside of the city. And remember that Miriam was a prophet. So that God started ministering to her there and showing her how he was talking to her. I'm sure she knew that he, in those seven days, he revealed to her the future of who will be outside the city gates. And then the whole ritual of, of cleansing her, part of it was that um, two doves had to be taken. The one dove was killed and its blood squeezed out into a bucket of water. And in this water was a red little stream, which reminds of the blood of Christ, and a hyssop little reed, 
and they took a hyssop reed to put the vinegar to Jesus' lips when he was on the cross. So everything, if you go and read that, you will be just amazed to see that every single thing points to Jesus Christ and the cleansing and the healing of Jesus. So I think after Miriam was through that ritual, she knew that God was talking to her and he could use her prophetically further on because he wanted to use her. And that to me set me so free to know that as a woman, God talks to us and he talks into our hearts, deep inside to us. He, we do not need to hear him in a visible, uh, audible voice talking to us. And so God went on. I can go on and on about the women. He taught me through the women in the Bible, but this was the most profound for me. And God's love for women and for me as a woman, that, that was poured out right through that time. It is already in a book. I must just publish it. So when it's published, I'll send you one. So <laughs> you can just see. But what was so wonderful, that very little of it was about me and Hendrik. It was about me and God. Everything was about me and God. There was a few. There was one. But the le lessons I received from God was in preparation for what was to come with me and my husband. And one was the story of Deborah that the Lord showed me that, that she never usurped authority. She never went and took the place which the men should have taken. She was behind them and, and she led, but she always saw to it that she was under the covering of a man with her. But she stood her ground when her nation needed her. And God said to me, there will be a time when in your household you will have to be Deborah. Where you will have to take a place and say no more that the enemy will steal in this house. And it did happen. My, if my husband was here, he could tell you about that. And then the Lord took me to the women who followed Jesus. And there were many lessons out of that. But one of the lessons was that they stood at the cross when he was crucified. And the Lord really pointed out to me that they didn't try to prevent him from being crucified. They didn't try to make it easier for him. They didn't shout and scream and they were just there. He could just see them being there. And the Lord said to me, I will take your husband through a process of crucifying that I will have to deal with him and I want you to just be there and not try to make it easier for him or more difficult for him by crying and screaming and carrying on. I just want you to be there. It did happen and I remembered those lessons. Not to say that I didn't try to get him off the cross or try to, <laughs> to be in the flesh. I did that. And then the last lesson that God taught me there in that series of time. Um, and I'm sure you've seen it. It's, it's the, the potter, a video on the potter where it starts breaking the rocks and then the whole process of the potter. Now the last lecture of that, everyone has to bring their own clay. And as the lecturer is talking, you are busy with your clay. And... As you are busy, you re 
he just brings it into your memory that this is God working with you. And you start feeling how, how through your life God was needing you and working with you. And you start feeling, oh yeah, I remember. And then you roll the little ball of clay into a nice round ball. And then he says, take your finger and make a hole in it. And you remember the times when God is making room for himself in this life where we know it's painful. And so you are busy. It's you and it's God working. And you are totally caught up in this. This becomes you. And then he says, now take your little container, your little jar, and give it to the person next to you. And I didn't want to do that. My husband was sitting next to me and I thought, well, he might destroy me. <laughs> but I gave it to him and then he gave his little jar to me and I thought, hmm, it's rather skewed. And I tried to fix it and I made it worse. And I thought, oh my goodness. So I left it and then I saw this. his fingernails made marks on it. And I decided, okay, I can fix that. And so, oh my, my nails were longer than, and I made deeper wounds. And I thought, oh my. And I just sat <laughs> with the little thing. And the Lord said to me, you know, that is right. Because you are not equipped to change him. You are not equipped to take his hurts away. All I want from you is to keep him soft and warm so that I can work with him. And that helped me so much when my husband went through his time of crucifixion to just know that my love is enough. I needn't change him. I can step right out of the way. But I haven't heard what a helper is yet. I knew now that I was appreciated, I was valued, how to love my husband. I knew that, but I still didn't know what is a helper. It's not a cook. It's not the cleaner. It's not the washing person. Who am I as a helper? And then Dr. Solomon's teaching came and I discovered that is not so important. What is important is that you are my daughter. That I could take the old Nielsen performing, trying to be someone. Just be God's daughter. And then do what God asks me to do. You know, and the, that whole heavy weight fall from, fall, fell from my shoulders and I could just be God's daughter and it didn't matter what I was doing. I was his daughter. Nothing could change that. If he wanted me to sit at home and worship him, that was fine. If he wanted me to counsel, it's God's daughter counseling. It's God's daughter doing the cups and the dishes and that's fine. But I still didn't know what is a helper. And then a guy in our church he is with youth with a mission. God spoke to him and he said to him, Pete, do you realize that in spite of freedom for women, women's lib, everything that's going on, that abuse of women is escalating? And he said, yeah, Lord, I see that, but why? And the Lord said to him, I want you to find out why. So he started doing research and it came to him, but has anyone asked men, why do they abuse women? And he couldn't find out. And at last he found a REACH paper at our Human Research Council, where someone has done research. And 
went to men who has been found guilty of abusing women and asked them. And he said the horrifying thing was that the two most important reasons why men abused women were biblical. Biblical reasons that the men gave why they have to abuse women. And the one was a misinterpretation, or there are two interpretations, as I understand, from the fall, what happened after the fall. There is one line that says it is punishment. And the other train of thought says it is the result of of the fall, which I also believe it's a result of the fall. It's not God said, woman, you must desire after your husband, and husband, you must rule over your wife. But they interpret that as God has said, men, you must rule over your woman, and that's why we must hit them and abuse them and keep them there. And the other one was also a biblical in the understanding of what a helper is. And I thought, yeah, this is it. And so he said, the misunderstanding is that a helper is a, is a slave, is an assistant. She is there to make his life easy so that he can be upfront and she must boost him. And he said, Lord, but is that true? I do not really know. So this man discovered that he also does not know what is a helper. And so he did some research, and that really changed my life like this. Except that I know that I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. But to know who is this woman? That the word, the Hebrew word for helper is azer, which you spell E-Z-E-R. We say Z, I hear you say Z. E-Z-E-R, but you pronounce it Aza. Now this Aza word is used of Eve. Then it is used twice of someone who is not a helper. And the rest, it is used of God. It is never used in the sense of an assistant. Never used in the sense of a slave or a handmaiden or a servant because we are servants to each other because the Lord showed us that we are servants, that is true but it is totally different our role as a helper is something so profound and when he said that that it is one of the names of God that I realized we've missed it. We've missed it big time in the church and out of the church because the world tries to give an answer by trying to make women equal to men. And we know that, that we are different. And what is the big deal? If, if a man can fly an airplane and I can fly too, so what? It says nothing about who God created us to be. It is so wonderful. And then the man went on and he said, if you go and read, especially in the Psalms, when David specifically called on the helper, he was in deep trouble. He was surrounded by the enemy. And he was at the point of losing his life. And then he called the helper. 
And that excited me. I said, Lord, this is it. Now there is the key. And we need, we as women in the church and men in the church need to know what his wife is to him. And we need to know what our role is. Because God created Adam to rule. And if you read in Genesis, you will see that, and that is part of our counseling, is to restore people to what God has created them to be, to rule. So Christ in us, bring us to victory and to rule over the works of Satan. But we as women must know where do we fit into this picture. So the man, Adam, was commanded to rule and have dominion. And then God said, but it's not good that he is alone. Because God told him, have dominion over the animals, over the birds, over the fish of the sea, and over the creeping animals. And the snake was one of them who crept. And so he was to to have dominion over Satan. Adam was created to have dominion over Satan because Satan was already here. And God wanted him to take that authority which Satan just threw away and man has got this authority and he is to rule. And God saw that it is not good for man to be alone. Not only for company. It's much, much more profound than that. And so God took this helper out of Adam and he put her next to him. Now, um, in my Amplified Bible, I found this wonderful verse in Psalm 121. Verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. And in the Amplified Bible, in brackets, it puts uh, words to describe what this word really means in the Hebrew. And it says the right hand, and then in brackets, the side not carrying a shield. So that's more the picture became clear that she was at his side, the helper is at his side, but the side without a shield. Now, if we have a picture of the, the warrior in the olden times, he's got his shield, and we know that is also the, the armor of God, the shield, which is not a tiny little thing, it's a huge thing protecting this man because he is in the front. He is busy having dominion. And he has this huge shield in front of him and his weapon is here. And what is happening on this side, it's unprotected. So God put the helper there in the unprotected side so that the two of them could stand against this enemy. God knew that the enemy would come from behind and attack him. And where did he attack him? He removed the helper out of the scene so that he could get to the one who was going to have dominion over him. And I asked God, I said, Father, show me in a picture. I need to grasp this and understand this because this is really something we as women need to know. Because the world is robbing us of who we are in Christ. 
what a woman is, who a woman is in Christ. That we need to stand at the side of our husbands and not be a thorn in his side, which I was, trying to change my husband and I was poking him and trying to, to get him to change instead of just standing at his side and be the helper at his side. And the Lord showed me in a picture, in a vision, a diamond. Because we know that the um, the Bible says a man who found a wife has found something precious. So the Lord showed me it's a diamond. But what are the precious things in a diamond? What makes it so valuable is in the first place that it is so hard. You cannot destroy it. And what has the world made us believe that we women are weak? The Bible says we are the weaker vessel. But we need to understand what he says there. It doesn't mean that we are weaklings and that we are pathetic and that we can be destroyed. And we believe that, that my husband can destroy me. He can't destroy you because of who you are in Christ. And that God has made you a helper. No one can change that. That which you were created in, you were created Let's call it a diamond. And you cannot be destroyed. I will tell you what he can do to you. The devil, not your husband. What the devil can do to you. But there is the diamond. And the other value of a diamond is that it reflects light. And if you can just imagine, if you have a diamond with a light within it, how beautiful it will be. And that is all we do. We reflect the light of God the helper in our husband's lives, in the spiritual realm. And I could just see that if I take my place at my husband's side as a diamond, his helper, and I stand in the spiritual realm, and what I proclaim on our behalf, that God the helper is for us, it is amazing what happens in the spiritual realm. And I can give you testimony upon testimony. Women that I've counseled and taught them this. Husbands that were unsaved. And I said, stop nagging your husband. Stop praying, please God save my husband. Take your place as the helper and start saying what God says about your husband. Find the verses that God gives you and you proclaim it in the heavenlies as the helper. It is, you know, if we as women start taking our place as the helper, we will not worry about what does submission mean. We will just submit and know we are obedient to God and do what we were made to do to be helpers to our husbands. And the husbands will find that they do not have thorns in their their sides anymore. They've got something precious there that lifts them up. And financially... When there is financial problems. This is my verse in Hebrews. Um, I go and my husband knows. I'm at home and he says, Nielsie, um, he's a businessman. I'm struggling a little bit. I said, okay, I'll pray for you. Let your character or moral, dis- it's um, Hebrews 13, let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money 
and be satisfied with your present circumstances and what you have. For God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any way degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my husband and my helper. We will not be seized with alarm. We will not fear or dread or be terrified. And that settles it. I've prayed for him. And I leave it. And God moves miraculously. If I pray, and I can tell you, if you go to your concordance and you get these verses on helper and helping, you will be amazed at what you can pray for. For your husband, if he's struggling emotionally, if he is in any way that you know he is out there and he is being attacked and he needs to know there is a helper at home. You know, this guy said, who gave this message, he said, you know, if I am in trouble and surrounded by enemies, I don't need the cook or bottle washer. I need someone strong here. And also in Psalm 89, um, once you spoke in a vision to your devoted ones and said, I have endowed one who is mighty, a hero giving him the power to help. You are mighty. In Christ Jesus, who he created you to be, that you are strong, that you are so strong. And through the ages, you could see that women is strong. We are the weaker vessel, but we are strong in the Lord, who he created us to be. Now, the devil knows that, that we are the helper, and we are a thorn in his side. Because he can't get to the men. If a woman is standing in a place, he cannot dethrone that man. He cannot. If you stand there for him. So what will he do? He covers the diamond with mud. And tell her, oh, shame. You've had such a, a, an ugly background. And shame, you were not loved and cared for. And you must go for counseling. And you must have a therapist. And, and they must be very careful how they handle you. And he's got you where Jesus didn't want you to be there. So Jesus came and he knocked the mud off so that we can strip our old man off, that woman whom we are not, and say, I am created to be a helper. And it is something so beautiful. Who wants to do what a man can do if you can be a helper? If you can be a diamond shining in his sight, why do I want to do what my husband does? There is already one reigning. There is already one having dominion. What do I want that for? I've got such a beautiful job for myself, which God created me, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm, I'm just so thankful for being a woman and to understand, at last to understand, who a woman is. And I hope the men who did not know that, and know that now, that, that you can treasure that diamond in your sight. And it's not the man's job to make her a, a, a helper. She is that already. 
All he needs to do is keep his arm to protect her. And she is submissive and under his wing. And she is protected because she stands there in, in place with him. And I want you to, to take this and carry it with you and do it. Pray for your husbands daily. And not, God, please do this and God, please do that. It's prescribing to God. Say what God says. And just, it's so easy to just take the Bible and take the verses. What God says, proclaim it in the heavenlies in a victorious way and reign with, with our husbands and the kingdom will come in our lives. So, are there any questions? Someone, if there are ladies that need prayer, there are ladies that, that will be praying for you um, afterwards, but I think they're going to sing us a beautiful song. Uh, <laughs> are you? And uh, I just want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message was brought in my weakness, but I pray that your Holy Spirit will make it alive and that women will be set free to know who they are, that they needn't try to usurp their husband's position and to try to compete with their husbands and try to, to be useful, but to just be who you created them to be, to be helpers. Every single one with her husband knowing that I was created perfect for this husband of mine and that I can stand at his side and proclaim in the heavenlies. Father, I pray that every single woman in America and also in South Africa at this moment where there is a crisis threatening that they will take their places at their husband's sides. And those that do not have husbands know that you are their husband. And they also have a place as helpers to stand in a place and proclaim the word of Jesus Christ in such a way that their fellow men and fellow women will be set free. Father, I pray for a deep healing for your people. Lord, that we can be victorious so that you can come. Lord, because Father said that once your enemy has been put underneath your feet, you will sit on the throne next to him. And Father, we are the feet and we need to stand upon the works of the enemy. And we need to be victorious. And we ask, Father, that you will do your work and in us and through us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.